You're listening to sermons from St. Macarios the Great, Orthodox Mission in Hyde Park. Peace be unto all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Glory to you, Lord, glory to you. Let us attend. At that time there came a man named Jairus, and he was a ruler of the synagogue. And he fell down at Jesus' feet and begged him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the multitudes thronged him. Now a woman, having a flow of blood for twelve years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment. Immediately her flow of blood stopped, and Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng and press you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, Somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out from me. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him. She declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, Daughter, be of good cheer, for your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to him, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher. And when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Do not be afraid. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, and the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her. But he said, Do not weep. She is not dead, but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, knowing that she was dead. But he put them all outside, took her by the hand, and called, saying, Little girl, arise. Then her spirit returned, and she rose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. At that time, the Lord said, He who hears me, hear, he who hears you, hears me. He who rejects you, rejects me. And he who rejects me, rejects him who sent me. Then the seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall be by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. Glory to you, O Lord, glory to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth wrote the psalmist. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouths of babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you have visited him? For you made him a little lower than the angels, and you crowned him with glory and honor. You made him have dominion over the works of your hand. You put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, the beasts of the field and the birds of the air, the fish of the sea that pass through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. That's the very well-known eighth psalm. It's a psalm that speaks of our vocation as human beings. What God has called us to in this life. To be image bearers. and to be regents. Ruling this earth, guarding it, keeping it, protecting it. This psalm speaks in elevated ways of this exalted role of human beings. Echoing the words of the first chapter of Genesis, when God said, let us make the human being in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the tame animals and all the wild animals and all the creatures that crawl on the earth. These very same words. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you visited him, made a little lower than the angels, but crowned with glory and honor and given dominion. Now, of course, we know that we have failed in this mission from the very start. Our forefathers failed in this mission and introduced sin into the world, touring this image of God, distorting it, introducing hatred and lust, and lust of power, and violence and jealousy, and every other vice. And this same sin has distorted our rule as regents of God. Rather than caring and keeping and guarding the creation. We see a world marked by extraction and domination, exploitation and environmental destruction. So this morning, when the author of the epistle to the Hebrews quotes from this eighth psalm, 
he does so in such a way to speak of the wonderful salvation that Christ has brought for us. He speaks of this salvation by turning to this eighth psalm and reading it very, very carefully. Very carefully. You see, in the eighth psalm, we have this phrase, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Two key words. Man, in Hebrew, Adam, in Greek, Anthropos, and the son of man, Ben Adam, Eos, Anthropou. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? See, what the author of the Hebrews noticed is both of these words, though they can mean and refer to humanity in general, they're both singular in nature. So the author to the Hebrews notices this, and he realizes that it is Christ who is Adam, the last Adam. It is Christ who is Son of Man. It is Christ who was, as the author to the Hebrews says, made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death and crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. So Christ has come, says the author to the Hebrews, to fulfill that vocation of human beings. To fulfill that vocation by imaging God perfectly, by being the icon of God, by ruling in his place as regent. And that's exactly how he interprets this. For he says, what is man, meaning Christ, that you are mindful of him, or the son of man, meaning Christ, that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. A reference to the incarnation. For a time, Christ joined with us, made a little lower than the angels, joined with human beings. Why? For suffering and death. The cross. This is the purpose of the incarnation. God became man to suffer and to die as a human being. But of course, that's not the end of the story because of the resurrection, the ascension, Christ has been crowned with glory and honor and set over all the works of God's hand. Put all things in subjection under his feet. So we see these two vocations of the human being. 
to bear the image of God and to have dominion. And what does the author say? We don't yet fully see that latter one. We do not yet see all things put under Christ. We still await that in hope. But what do we see? We see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering and death, crowned with glory and honor, that he might taste death for everyone. What the author is saying is that the very image of God, the icon of God, the face of God that we see is Christ crucified. Christ crucified, lifted up on the cross. This is the God we worship. The one who suffered for us voluntarily in love. And we await, we await that subjection when all things are put under his feet. As it says in another place, rule in the midst of your enemies until I put all your enemies under your feet. So the kingdom of God this morning is not yet realized. We await it. But we know that Christ has come. He has inaugurated that kingdom in our midst in three different ways. In himself, as icon of, kingdom, of the kingdom of God, in each one of our hearts and our minds, as Christ says, the kingdom of God is within you. When we dwell in Christ, abide in him, when we live by grace and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And of course, in our church, in the body of Christ, as we say at the start of the liturgy, blessed is the kingdom of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This ever-expanding, ever-increasing kingdom of God, starting in Christ, and then in the individual human heart, and then in the community of faith, and then as we go out into all the world. This is our vocation. To image Christ, to abide in him, and so cleanse our souls, cleanse our bodies from all defilement. To clean up that icon by the grace of God, by, to allow him to purify us. And to join with Christ as regents in his reign, in the reign of God. In our own hearts, 
in our community as we love one another. And as we go from here, as we depart in peace into all the world, as we await the final realization of Christ, when God will be all in all. But in the meantime, we participate with Christ and announce his kingdom and make it present in our midst by the grace of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.